out for something completely. <laughs> Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shilton and it's Halloween. Well, we're close enough to anyway. And that screaming was me, if you were wondering. <laughs> I just looked up and saw Andy and um, here to haunt you for the next hour. Uh, as we talk to uh, Linus Carp. We delve into the untold and untrue story surrounding Princess Di. And Doctor Who. Oh my God, what a cliffhanger. Twas our expert in waiting. Martin Spalacy is aboard the TARDIS as we speak. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. <laughs> I can't work out if it's my headphones or if it's it's um, something else. It's all sounding very distorted. Is that me? Um, not not to me. Uh, no. I think we've got uh, ghosts in the <laughs> electrical equipment. <laughs> So as long as it's me, that's fine. So, so. Yeah. Do we all have a nice Halloween? Absolutely bucketed it down here in Bristol. Did yeah. you notice? Uh, no, because I'm not in Bristol. No, she's in Bath. Yeah, but it also bucketed it down in Bath, did it not? I'm so sorry. <laughs> it did not. No, we, all, we just have light showers. <laughs> we, 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 don't, we don't all have private number plates, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, it, it, did, it did rain very, very heavily. It was raining over my Gothic gables Gothic all evening. <laughs> but I still managed to pour a bit of boiling oil out on the little... Wow. The little uh, darling. You had to sing then, didn't you? <laughs> Did you have any trick-or-treaters? No, not in my gothic mansion. They were too frightened to walk up the path. Yeah. So no. So I had a very quiet evening. But I did listen to a few spooky records during the day. Steph did her Monday morning programme on our home station, BCFM. With lots of Halloweeny treats, yeah. FFM, and there was a, yeah. there was a lot on community radio generally. Lots of spooky sounds, loved it. There were. I mean, yeah. for those listening on BCFM, that was Steph in the jingle before the show as well. It's like you just get everywhere, don't you? And prolific. Yeah, you are you are a bit like a ghost in the like radio. A ghost in the machine. <laughs> in the machine. <laughs> well, if they're willing to pay me, then I'll do whatever they ask. I've heard that about you. <laughs> Glad you said that, not me. <laughs> so. Did you do? anything spooky Andy no uh, not really <laughs> apart from get absolutely soaked getting home because I was on one of those um, voice scooters yeah. and the heavens opened up and by the time I got oh, home dear. I might as well have just stood in the shower in my clothes I was that wet <laughs> so yeah it, it's it was a look it, yeah, yeah. It's a look wet yeah. look is a look just as yeah. well your skin's waterproof yeah. isn't it but question it for is. you is it the rule here if you're going to do Halloween uh, you know like you're willing to be a house in trick or treating yeah you put a pumpkin yes. outside Yes, that is a thing. Yes, it is. Because it it was an American thing, but I didn't know it come over here. It has, yeah. And I don't think it's been for more than a few years. Um, But yeah, that's what I've I've heard. And uh, all my friends that were willing to have uh, trick or treaters put their pumpkins out. So Mm. and it seemed to work because they just changed the red light for an orange one, basically. Yeah, it was a bit difficult for anyone to get in where we are. Yeah, Yeah, true. (laughs) Throw sweets off the balcony. (laughs) Yeah. Showering sweets on the adoring fans alive. <laughs> I've just seen a post um, where a family in America on a really, really busy street that go like all out for Halloween.
Halloween. Every year they put a potato um, mixed potato. in with the sweets. Yeah, and it's become <laughs> this thing where the child who finds a potato like thinks that they're like the legend of Halloween. Oh, right. um, which I think is hilarious. I just think that's that's brilliant. It's <laughs> such a fun, silly thing to do. It's much kinder than my chocolate covered Brussels sprouts idea. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Have you honestly actually made chocolate covered Brussels sprouts? Um, I can't say if I have or I haven't. I don't like children very much, so work out. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, I tolerate them. Uh, now, um, um, I'm not going to talk about this in a huge depth, um, but did you notice in that opening bit? Let me just do it once more. 24th of November. Oh, mystical. Yeah. So is that your birthday? Is it on 25th? <laughs> uh, yeah, because I have a fanfare for my birthday every so year. Well, we know. <laughs> What's happening on the 24th? Mm. Oh. Mm. Secrets keep are there. Yes. Keep listening. Keep watching the website. Okay. If you know, All you know. Yeah. yeah, you might recognise the music. Re- okay. Recognise the drastic whispering. Drastic. <laughs> drastic or dramatic? Dramatic. Jurassic. Jurassic. I thought she said. Jurassic. 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 All sounds the same in that accent. Oh my God, we're going back oh. to dino porn now, aren't we? I can whoa, tell. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The escalation. <laughs> I weren't ready. That was, that was how we met you, was it not? Yeah. Well, the first things we it, spoke it, about, wasn't yeah. it? It was the and dino we, scene. Yeah. The, the dino scene. scene. I like the slight <laughs> hesitation <laughs> there. Putting it out there, yes. Yeah, and the octo scene. It's what yeah. followed is that quickly octopuses? after. Yes, no. octopi. I believe. No, it's not octopi. Is it and not? I can't remember the reason why. That's it's to do with Greek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's yeah. not. No, it is octopus. No, but the plural is octopi. No, it's not. It's octopuses. It's a. Uh, it's, uh, no. <laughs> well, it's one or the other. It's octopus or octopuses. It's not octopi. That's but interesting. I will, I will yeah, yeah, research. Yeah. It's, uh, it do, was yeah, in a book that I read. Put um, a track on so we can Google it. I was going to say, yeah. Let's, let's put a track. You're listening to Shout Out. Octopus. Back in a minute. The Shout Out Podcast. 24th of November. Listeners to Shout Out know that uh, we often go to the theatre and we've had a lot of spin-offs actually come to think of it from the Edinburgh Fringe um, including uh, Jordan Gray and, and many others and this one has also started life from the Edinburgh Fringe and just grown. Now you're a model Linus from Balenciago, performance artist <laughs> I've done, yeah, I've done a bit of modelling in in my past. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, how was that, the modelling? Was that for clothes or perfumes? or? Yeah, it was all for clothes. It was very, it was interesting. It was a whole new world to me. I didn't know anything about it. And um, my sister, my younger sister, she modelled quite a bit. And she got me in with her agency some years ago. And, uh, and they sent me to Paris for Fashion Week. And I didn't even know what Balenciaga was. And, so I was like, oh, I'll do this. And then I, when I got there, I was like, oh, this is actually quite quite big. Um, and it was just a whole new world that I didn't know anything about. Um, but, but fascinating. But it was quite nice, I think, to have that distance to it as well, because it's a, it's a weird industry. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, some of the films we've seen in the series that are centred around the fashion world. Yeah, but exciting for you. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, a, it's an experience I'm very glad to have. Good. And it sounds quite a nice one as well. Now, theatre. Now, you've got a play coming up called Diana. 
the untold and untrue story. How did you get into that? Um, oh, yes, I do indeed. Um, I The idea for this show sort of started with uh, my mother-in-law. So she, this amazing woman called Linda, she turned 60 last year. And we've for years had sort of a Diana-centric relationship, you could say. Like we've always sent each other Diana gifts and, and things like that. So for her birthday, I thought I'll write a little Diana piece for her that we could all perform um, for her birthday. So we did and it was great fun. And then I didn't really think much of it for a long time. But then <clears throat> when I finished touring my previous show at the beginning of this year, I was looking at what to do next. And I was struggling to find something I, I felt was right. And I found this little Diana script and I thought, oh, what if I look at this and maybe turn this into a solo show? Um, and it just felt really fun. I got all these ideas and I felt like, oh, this is the one I should be doing. I wrote an early version of it for, for her birthday, but then I, and then I just left it for, for, oh, for a long time before I picked it up again. So yeah, it was, okay. it was still me. Uh, a younger me wrote it and then <laughs> I picked it up and, and reworked it quite a lot so it could be, be a full-fledged show. So what inspired you to start that? I think, I mean, I love Diana. I think she's an amazing person. Obviously, she's done a lot for the queer community as well. So I think as a queer person, I do, I do really love and, and have so much respect for her. Um, so I, I think that's probably like the original idea, probably like, oh, well, like the inspiration was just that I love for her. And it's, it's a very, it's interesting to take something that's very well known, like her story, her marriage to Charles and her fallout with the, with the crown. Um, but then give it a, to take something that's so well known and then tell it in a story that's not well known, I think is something that I really enjoy. So it's like a very alternative take on, on her life and all the events um that took place now the show is interactive um also um it contains drag so i guess you're dragging up i am indeed for the first time so i'll be playing diana myself um which i'm really excited about so we've been trying on dresses i've got a wig coming soon and i'm learning to do the makeup and things and it's uh it's so exciting and so nice to, to sort of gain that skill i've always enjoyed whenever i had to play women um, so it's really nice to really go into that fully. Mm. Do you do you get help on stage? Um, are there a few of you um, in the show? It's it is a solo show, so I will be the only like live performer there. But we do have a cast, so there'll be um, some characters will be on videos. There'll be some that will be um, sort of, I mean, puppets is a generous word, but there'll be versions of them on stage that will be voiced by sometimes me and sometimes other actors. And uh, my partner, Joseph, who is also working a lot on the show, he'll be operating it, but he'll also be get quite involved from the tech box at various places. And it is also a lot of audience participation. So I am forcing some of the roles onto the audience as well, whether they like it or not. Ah, OK, OK. Now, it's not yet you're doing um, a show at the Alma Tavern in Bristol, but you're actually national, aren't you? Yes, we are going all over the UK, which, which is so exciting um yeah starting in london and then taking it to all kinds of i think we're 14 cities in total and we go all the way up to glasgow we go to belfast and yeah all the way to Penzance. so we are really going all over which is very exciting uh, and it's going to be available online as well early next year so everyone can watch it right let me take you back a bit before you started this and, and growing up were you always attracted to theater and and dressing up and play acting yeah, I really was. Um, 
I, I grew up in the Swedish forest, so I didn't really have much theatre around me. But I did have a dressing up box and I was always wearing the dresses from that. Um, so, and I think ever since I was very little, I always wanted to be an actor. So I don't really know where it came from because we didn't have anyone close close to us. There was was into theatre or anything. Um, but I think it was my calling in life. <laughs> yeah. Were your parents very supportive? Yeah, I'm very lucky. My parents are amazing. Um, so even if they weren't necessarily into theatre, knew much about theatre, they were so keen on me and my siblings as well, all getting to do whatever it was that we felt we wanted to do. Um, I never felt the pressure on having a specific career. In fact, I don't even think I knew that jobs had different, <laughs> that, that you value jobs differently. Like to me, a job was just a job. I didn't really see, think of it as different if someone was a doctor or a cleaner, or I think it was just a job. Um, so I think my parents were very much had that equality, I guess, in their, in their thinking and their upbringing to us. Like we never graded things. Um, so when I wanted to be an actor, my parents were so supportive and they were dro driving me around the country to various drama schools in Sweden so that I could actually audition, um, which is just so sweet of them. Okay, so you've been doing it. So every time there was a school play on, you were, had your hand right up, I guess, saying me, me, me. Yeah, yeah, there were quite a few of the school plays. I got to play all kinds of weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> now, going forward, we've spoken about the current play and that. Have you got anything you can share with us going forward, say, next year? Um, so this play is actually going on till April at, at the moment. Um, so we're starting it in November uh, in London and then we tour up until early December. We then, then take a bit of a break and bring Diana back in, in February where we go on tour again. So most of February and March will be all over the UK. Um, and then we finish it early April. And I haven't really thought much beyond that. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm having so much fun with creating this show. And if it goes well, obviously, I'll hope that maybe I can do The Fringe next year. Maybe I can do other things with it as well. Um, but I also have other show ideas that are equally queer and silly, I think, um, that I hope to, to bring to life at some point in the future. That sounds that sounds really good. Now we're running out of time, Linus. I'm afraid. Um, so, how do people get tickets? Um, so the best way to get tickets is probably to to find us on social media. So you can go to at awkward prods um, on Instagram or Twitter. Just at awkward prods, which is the production company, Awkward Productions, um, where we have links to all the cities we're doing. Um, more info, of course, and and all those things. All my own social media as well, which is just at Linus Carp, L-I-N-U-S-K-A-R-P, um, where you'll also find links to the show and all of our dates. Excellent. Linus Carp, thank you so much. And going forward, break a leg. Oh, thank you so much, Steph. It's been a pleasure. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. <laughs> the Shout Out Podcast. Is it going to be too old, that song now? 
Well, can you still get away with it? You got some nice moves, Mr. Shilton. <laughs> I think you could get away with it. It's a bit of a classic. I'm not sure you should have jumped on the desk, but... Yeah, it was a bit extreme, but, you know, it's all right. You did very well, considering how high your heels are. When I was at school, one of my friends was really into the Rocky Horror Picture Show and, and showed it to her, you know, younger sisters and brothers. Her sister was sent home from school for actually dancing around saying, I'm just a sweet transvestite <laughs> from transsexual everyone transylvania <laughs> but those were the days those were the 1980s that would have been against section yeah. 28 I guess because so, yeah. there, there was a second show they did but it was a bit of a flop was there really mm, I, yeah. didn't know that. No, I didn't know that yes. um, that was the Rocky Horror show <laughs> I could see Martin's ah, trying to think I'm of the name of it <laughs> so and just to clarify before we go into the news we have found out it can be octopi or octopuses <laughs> yes or octopuses or we were all correct yeah anyway should we get some news headlines all right This is Shout Out News on Thursday, 3rd of November. The LGBTQIA community in Brazil has joined with indigenous people's advocates, people of colour and women's rights groups, amongst many others, in welcoming the presidential electoral victory for Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, known just as Lula, for the PT, the Workers' Party, who defeated current far-right wing president Bolsonaro. Pink News notes that Linda Brazil a trans rights activist and counsellor for the state of Xerxipi tweeted, only those who are LGBTQIA+, women, black, indigenous, and every person who has been a victim of the hate speech of that fascist loser knows what our cry represents when seeing the confirmation of Lula's victory at the polls. Mr Bolsonaro had presided over ecological destruction of the rainforests, attacks on abortion providers, deadly anti-LGBTQIA plus violence and enablement of far-right thuggery. Mr Lula said, we are now going to live in new times of peace, love and hope. Do you remember the ex-gay movement in America? Although only ever marginal in the UK, groups that claim to be able to reprogram gay and bi people into obedient Christian heterosexuals came crashing to the floor in the noughties as books such as Anything But Straight exposed the hypocrisy, lies and chartonism of such organisations. Many senior members of the ex-gay movement have disowned their previous position and apologised for the psychological damage they inflicted. Well, now US Newswire LGBTQIA Nation reports that the anti-trans movement known as detransitioning may be about to follow suit. Uh, Kai Skivers, who was a poster child for the extremist anti-trans group and claimed she was now detransitioning, has since come out as transmasculine and says she regrets the harm she caused as part of anti-trans groups. 
Trans people deserve access to support and it makes no sense to shut down people's access to medical transition just because some people end up detransitioning, she told Slate. Skeevers, who uses she and her pronouns, is now out and proud as transmasculine. My sense of being a woman unravelled and I was feeling more like a dude, but I was fighting against these feelings because I'd built up a life in the detransition community and I knew a lot of the other women in the community wouldn't be happy with it if I came out as trans, she said. The Irish Times newspaper reports that Ireland's Parliament, the Doyle, will work through a reform of hate crime laws as a new bill is proposed by Cabinet. The new legislation will repeal and replace the existing anti-discrimination provisions in Ireland and cover incitement to hatred against transgender people for the first time. In addition, the government in Dublin hopes that it will simplify the process of prosecuting hate crimes. At the same time, the paper reports, the authorities will protect freedom of expression in the arts and in political discourse. The bill is also set to create a new offence of the condoning denial or gross trivialisation of genocide and war crime, with ministers told that this will include Holocaust denial. The Socceroos, the wonderfully nicknamed Australian football team, have issued a video calling for football's values to be respected by governments the world over. They include LGBTQIA civil rights, the right to join a trade union and the rights of migrant workers to organise. Human rights campaigner Peter Tatchell issued a statement saying Australian football stars are leading the way. I applaud their statement in support of the human rights of LGBT plus people and migrant workers. They have set the gold standard. I hope that every other national team will follow their lead and that all team captains will devote 30 seconds of every post-match press conference to affirm their commitment to the rights of LGBTQIA plus women and migrant workers. Staying with sports news and Sam Taylor and Sue Taylor Franklin, the powerlifters who are said to be Britain's strongest lesbian couple have given a lengthy interview to LGBTQ plus top newswire Pink News. The women have several records between them and are planning a new world record attempt in 2023, which is being kept secret for now. They discuss how weightlifting has mental health benefits and their hope to open their home gym to marginalised people within the LGBTQIA plus spectrum so that they too can enjoy the benefits of the sport. What's more, they look at something that gym-going gay men and women and non-binary people have found for some time, that being physically strong can put off would-be misogynists and homophobes from having a go. The couple reveal that although they have received the usual right-wing trolling on social media, no one has tried to physically confront them. And finally, we're always pleased to report on media developments for diversity, especially in grassroots initiatives such as ourselves. In Leeds, LSR is the student radio station and is the voice of students in the city. Founded in 1970, LSR is today streamed locally and internationally online. By night, the format is varied specialised music, but by daytime in the week, there are a series of magazine programmes called The Liberation Strand, a people of colour programme, student women's shows and the LGBTQI plus programme are all audible. LSR's LGBTQ plus show is on the air at 3pm on Thursdays during term time, with the station having a lighter schedule during student holiday periods. For these news stories and much, much more, we update our website every day. Check it out at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Ezra Peregrine and Terry Starr.
Out. LGBT Radio for you. <laughs> 24th of November. The Shout Out Podcast. Well, it is Halloween, you know. <laughs> it was. Well, it was you dancing on the table that time. It was. Did you like it? <laughs> I was twiddling me twice. I saw, saw, saw things I really didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your ankles. It's. <laughs> I know, and they're so, nice ankles. Mm, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <gasps> something's coming Who's through. Who's coming? The That was like something Ooh. out of the 1970s. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that anymore, does it? I'm sure. I don't know. It's smaller on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, and look who's popped out of the TARDIS. It's only Martin Spilacy. I do, I do have to confess, though, that I have left the uh, temporal drifters in the TARDIS on standby. So I have no idea what year this is. I'm assuming it's not well, 18th century Russia. <laughs> uh, is it Eastern by any chance in the, uh, the year 20? 2022. Well, no good asking us because we haven't got a clue where we are. <laughs> There's no calendar in the studio. We can't check for you. Because the, the problem with travelling through time is you get to some a year like 2022, which of course will, will go down in history, but you never quite know who the prime minister's going to be depending <laughs> on the month. <laughs> <laughs> so yes and by the way andy uh, shock treatment i think was the follow-up to the rocky horror show oh was it yeah wow, yes. there we are there you go, there you, go. Yeah, I know. you were tuned in in the tardis when you were traveling uh, oh yes you know uh, uh, on many planets <laughs> shout out is, is a must here <laughs> it's all those octopuses isn't it they're all listening in really we got an anniversary coming up um the first I'm so episode for you. way back thank you martin um 1963 and i was there as a kid stuck behind the sofa peering up over the top now as far as i can remember the first episode they had real problems with the transmission so they replayed it the following saturday so we had part one and part two with william hartnell you're misremembering two things okay they had you see you have to remember you have the doctor (laughs) expert (laughs) you're supposed to do your homework before it's fine in memories these things that kind of merge into the mishmash of (laughs) of uh, Doctor Who history what actually happened was they made a pilot which was uh, a bit of a uh, a mess so they re-recorded the pilot uh, and uh, for all the technical problems that you're referring to what actually caused the first episode to be repeated I sound like I know what I'm talking about (laughs) was the fact that it was shown the day after uh, Kennedy was assassinated no. and they'd spent a lot of money on this show not least of which because they made two pilots so what they did is they showed the first episode <coughs> realised that everyone was in shock and so the following uh, the following week they showed the first episode again ah. immediately followed by the second one wow ah. well I was only 10 years old 
you can't possibly you don't look old enough i'm sure that uh, it you, is, you've is, watched it on repeat it's quite quite funny to think about because of course i mean the, the generation that are watching the current ones are so used to you know computer generated graphics mm. and all that but for its day it, it was really out there and really on the edge right down oh. to the fact that the doctor who pulsing in and out was actually done with a camera just pointed at oh, the yeah, tv those feedback, wasn't, wasn't it, it? Yeah. those egg boxes were state-of-the-art yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back in the 90s and, and the classic one that is still there today which is the old uh, plunger on the front and and the things like the, the you know the fact that the TARDIS sound that we've just heard and I love the fact that you actually played the full TARDIS sound <laughs> effect I mean they don't do that on the BBC <laughs> and haven't done that for years but it was actually somebody um, actually striking a key down the, the piano wires mm. at the back of a piano mm. and they just recorded that slowed it down and that's the the TARDIS sound yeah. that we've had for 58, 59 years. And of course, the, the theme tune was the, the well, it was composed by Ron Grainer, wasn't it? But it was actually realised by one of the most um, intriguing female workers at the Radiophonic And Workshop. underrated, yes. And very underrated, because she never really got much credit for it in her lifetime, did she? Her name Delia? was Delia Derbyshire. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, the story goes that Ron Grainer wrote this theme, and he was writing things like the Steptoe and Son theme tune, you know, the, the, the Tales of the Unexpected, that kind of thing. So it was all brass and sort of marimbas and things like that. And he handed it to her and said, OK, record this. And the producer at the time was a lady called Verity Lambert. And she'd said, I want it to sound electronic. So it went to the Radiophonic Workshop. And when it came back, they played it to Ron Grainer. And he said, did I write that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is an iconic piece of music, though, isn't it? And I mean, it's, 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 apparently children were much more scared of the theme tune than the actual Daleks and the egg boxes and the thing plungers. Uh, the, 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 actually, it, it's in the, the memory of a lot of children. Because yeah. if you imagine in 1963, you wouldn't have heard anything like that. There was no electronic music. No. It just sounded a bit weird. How did they get away with uh, making that movie with Peter Cushing? Surely the BBC would have trounced all over that. Uh, it was in the height of something called Dalek Mania which was in the 1960s mm. and uh, a chap called Milton Sapotsky <laughs> it's amazing that it's all in here you know? yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't rehearsed this folks um, a guy called Milton Sapotsky from Amicus Films or Airu Films uh, basically he got he talked to Terry Nation who managed to re- re- uh, partially keep the rights to the Daleks. So Terry Nation said, well, I've got these rights, let's make a movie. And they said to the BBC, look, you know, do you want William Hartnell to, who was the Doctor at the time, to appear in it as the Doctor? And they said, no, because he's going to be on the telly every week. It was on 50 weeks of the year back in those mm-hmm. days, recorded the same week that it went out. So um, Peter so- Cushing got the, got the gig. Wow. I didn't realise it was on that, that often. I mean, it, I find it frustrating at the moment. We get one episode every six months. <laughs> they keep us waiting, <laughs> yeah, don't they? It really does, doesn't it? One thing I was yeah. going to ask you, Martin, is uh, your reaction to the... I thought it was wonderful episode that we saw the, the most on the 24th one. of October. Yes, yes. the final Jodie Whittaker one. And as, as a fan, I, there were some wonderful warming moments in it. It was nice to see Janet Fielding and Sophie Aldred reprise their roles. Both, from the, the both series, of which, series. who, by the way, appeared on my show, on Nostalgia, on Tuesday. It's on BCFM Catch-Up. Just a little bit. Of course. Uh, nice plug. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes, um, for me, I thought it was an episode of two halves. So I thought the first part of the episode was just a bit messy. But there was... A, we're, not, we're not allowed to give spoilers, are we? But there was a genius... Well, 
genius oh. idea that revolved around I think this was in the, the trailer so we can talk about this mm. the genius idea was the master was Rasputin and I thought that was such a brilliant yes. concept <laughs> because <laughs> historically we all know don't we that, that you know Rasputin was very difficult to destroy well of course if he was a time lord that would all make sense yeah. um, yes. so the first part of the, the show was a little bit they were trying to shoehorn Daleks and Cybermen and all sorts of things in into the into the show and I think once it settled down and they realised we'll just run with this story of the, about the master um, and I, I think like you yes it, the second half was really good it didn't do very well overnight when it was when it, when it was transmitted. I think it lost four million from the Strictly Results show. But actually, since then, it's caught up, and it's now I think the fifth most sh- uh, watched show of that week. So, it not did, too shabby at all. It did Jodie proud. She had the you know she had a good start and she had a good finish. <laughs> That's probably all I'm going to say on the matter. <laughs> what, what do you think about? Because it is going back to having Russell T. Da- Russell T. Davis doing it again. Hooray! And don't forget, it was actually filmed in bristol this year yes part of it was was yes. filmed in uh, in bristol yes, so i know david tennant was seen around exactly here in bristol, wasn't yeah it? he may or may not have uh, <laughs> been seen uh, on the streets of bristol of course we can't say uh but yes uh isn't it brilliant because of course uh for lgbtqia plus uh viewers in television around the world one of the uh the, the gay community's biggest assets is this guy called russell t davis who wrote queer as folk who wrote cucumber yeah. who wrote it's indeed. a sin indeed. and what he did was in 19 in 2005 he took the, the the dying embers of what was a once loved cherished children's show and he put it right back slap bang in the middle of bbc television and the world fell in love with doctor who again yeah and yes. maybe some people say it's lost its way since he's left i I have to admit i do uh, do agree with that the fact that he's coming back and we've got a world-class writer helming the show again and what does he do his first thing is to bring david tennant back bring back the most popular doctor bring back the most popular companion which was catherine tate and just put it straight back on and again he's cast uh, an actor called shuti gatwa who's going to take over we believe at some point next year and i've got every faith if you've seen things like sex education you will see that that man is amazing and that the the world is going to fall in love with doctor who again i predict it and the first uh person of color to pilot the tardis in the the long canonical about apart from joe martin who's kind of a doctor possibly from the future what do you uh, yes, I mean, that? yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the show, isn't it? That the, the, the character of the Doctor is probably the one character on television that's that's got two two things going for it. First of all, any actor can play it, mm. so why would you why you know play around with who, who you cast, whether it be male, female, black, white, whoever? The second thing, which is truly genius, is that when the in- incumbent actor gets expensive, <laughs> you can you can write them out mid sentence. <laughs> so, but the, the last lot that we had with Jodie Whittaker also had a kind of lesbian storyline in it which was great to see I mean you know I'm, I, I don't know about you but I'm finding it really nice to see these things just subtly dropped in and aren't a main story yeah. arc they're just it's, there because that's what society's like and how far have we come I mean remember when in 2005 when it came back and all the popular press were saying Russell T Davis is trying to make Doctor Who gay and there were all these kind of awful headlines about yeah. Doctor Who and all this kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> and it's since Russell's left, we've had two heterosexual showrunners who have gradually and subtly brought in 
uh, diversity and representation. Um, and so now when, when we get cast with a, a female doctor, and I don't know, is, is the doctor one of the first, you know, mainstream trans characters? I don't, you know, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think they thought about it in that context when they started the whole thing off, but, you know, at least kind of all. I mean, technically, the doctor is probably omnisexual because we yeah. had all that in, um, in uh, one of the spin-offs, didn't we, with, with Captain Jack? So... Anyway, um, I, I would love to keep talking about it. We're rapidly oh, running yeah. out of time. This happens, oh, doesn't I'm it? Sorry to say, this is always the case. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Got, okay, got go away and come back about, again so. in the TARDIS. When, when are we seeing idea. the next one? Am I correct in saying it's not till the new year? There isn't even a Christmas one, is there? Uh, no, as I understand it, uh, I don't think we're going to see anything now until November next year. November? And then... Oh, gosh. Uh, because Disney are now involved. Disney are backing this. And I think it's a case of fasten your seatbelts because you're going to be in for a very bumpy and amazing ride and what would William Hartnell have made of all of it do you think I think he would have um, just poured a glass of champagne and sat back and loved the royalties (laughs) 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 so listen thanks for coming it's lovely to have you on the show show you're a big part in the TARDIS yeah yeah are you off does anyone want to come along where would you like to go take take Steph (laughs) with you (laughs) (laughs) take take her back like 100 years she, she is worshipped on at least three planets that I'm aware of. Well, I'm not surprised. That's because they all listen to Steph FM, don't they? That's why. So, anyway, say goodbye to Martin, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. Bye bye. The Shout Out Podcast. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. <laughs> 24th of November. Now, shall I bet now? This? This big one? Go on then. I don't really remember this. Well, I kind of do. From the days when television and radio channels had theme tunes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, it was a big thing when Channel 4 started. Mm. It was, and it was 40 years ago this week that Channel 4 began broadcasting. And, wow. of course, hang on, wait for it. <clears throat> Here it is. Oh, I remember that. For many years on Channel 4, it was their station ID. Um, now, uh, S4C, of course, went on the air on the 1st of November 1982 in Wales. Um <clears throat> It had a massive uh, build-up to it because, of course, it was a hard-fought-for thing to have a Welsh language channel. A lot of people campaigned for it. People went to prison, actually, for breaking into transmitter rooms and things like that in the campaign for the Welsh channel. And then Channel 4 in England and Scotland went on the air on the 2nd of November, uh, which was chosen to coincide with the date in 1936 that the BBC first television station at Alexandra Palace had started. So there's a bit of history Mm. there. But... Um, for many years, I think it would be fair to say that um, people regarded Channel 4 as our station, didn't they, within the LGBT plus community and other minorities? Well, I, I have very fond memories of it being mm. my favourite when mm. I, I was a kid, because it always pushed the boundaries. It, it did, it, 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 it was very mean, radical. Was that out on a Tuesday? Was that Channel, oh, Channel 4? Yeah, yeah. Back, back out of his TARDIS. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes, by the way. I, He's live I, from the TARDIS. I've been, I've been around the universe. It's 200 years since I was last here, as far as I'm concerned. But I think it's about five minutes. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for rejoining. The TARDIS is getting rather better at these short hops. <laughs> yes, rather. So. Do you, I, I tell you one thing I remember. Sorry, it, it, but this thing about um, 
One of the things I remember seeing on Channel 4 as a young gay man was this documentary. It was called If They'd Have Asked for a Lion Tamer. And it wow. was, a, it was a, a, a documentary following a guy called David Dale, who was a drag act. And he did the drag, drag act in, in London. He did some famous uh, drag. And on the back... On the back of that documentary, he ended up becoming the resident drag queen in the Queen Vic in EastEnders. And it was mind-blowing that they actually (laughs) followed this story of of, of a guy who was, you know, he'd been shunned by his parents for being a drag drag queen and went on to have a really successful career. And it was really only Channel 4 that would have been brave enough in those Mm. days to have done that kind of communication. Well, I I remember Queer as Folk as well. That was 96, I think. 1999. 99, okay. So I... um, I just like because I was 18 in 96 so I'd just come out to oh. see it on TV was just yeah. like groundbreaking you know oh, it was yes. like oh my god look it's actually putting it out there I mean the backlash it got also <laughs> was not very, not very nice well, we got a lot to thank Channel 4 for because yeah. I don't think the BBC would have put that out in the late 90s no. so, indeed, and even that prejudice carries on today I mean Russell T Davis did reveal that his most recent uh, magnum opus so to speak which was It's, it's a, a Sin, sin. Yeah. based yeah. in the AIDS pandemic uh, another television executive for one of the other networks has said, "Oh, you'll never get that miserable program made." Wow, uh, well, it was a horrible even, thing to say. But even, Channel Four said yes. They but they, they it. did, but they cut it down because they didn't think it would get the audience. Mm. He wanted to do another two episodes. Yeah, it? he did. Oh. Yeah. Um, and um, they didn't give him the budget, and they cut it down. So he cut it down, and then it turned out to be one of the biggest. Shows of, of all time for yes, them, yeah. and I believe they kind of wish that they, they, they'd done it. Yeah. But you know, hindsight is always a wonderful thing, yeah. isn't yes. it? And you, never, you never say no to Russell T. Davis, no. let me just say that. It's, but it's, it's always the way, isn't it? It's always something LGBT that, uh, no, cut it down, cut it down. You know, it's, it yeah. is annoying. So, as Steffi said, you know, the 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 it was a minority interest channel and was always intended to be such. I think the Conservative government of Mrs Thatcher, which gave Channel 4 its licence, you know, thought that minority interest meant pro-celebrity knitting or something. But <laughs> the fact that they went full on with lots of programmes for people of colour, people of Asian background. Well, I think Margaret was... Thatcher's hair was actually straight until she taught, uh, saw the tube. <laughs> oh, the and tube. then it went curly. <laughs> now the tube. I think people... Margaret Thatcher's hair was knitted <laughs> by pro-celebrity. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we've literally got 30 seconds left. There is uh, one other thing I would like to get in before the end course. of the show, and that's about this. Oh. 24th of November. If you haven't picked up on what it is, I'm very, very pleased to announce that the Shout Out Listeners Awards are returning this year. Um, you'll be able to start voting on them on the 24th of November. We will give you loads more details about that uh, next week. So I'm so excited about it. So we'll be awarding them in February next year. And I'm pleased to say we're back at the Old Market Assembly as well, which is brilliant because they were a fantastic venue last time. So brilliant. You heard it here first. Loads more details coming next week. But that is it for another week. Um, did you hear the date? Put it in your diaries. 24th of November. 24th. More on that next week. Plus our website, shoutoutradio.lgbt as well. Well, we're on all good social media. Follow us and we'll love you for it. 24th of November. Uh, next week is Earth Week. Um, join um, me and the rest of the team for that. From Terry, from uh, Martin, from Andy in the background, from Steph, from Ez and um, from... Um, Marcus. Marcus, thank you. <laughs> and myself. <laughs> Say bye-bye, everyone. <laughs> I don't want to go. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.